Okay, people. Another episode of Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here with you. Hope you enjoyed your sports weekend. I feel like I got validation this weekend in the NBA. Not just in what I saw in the games, but I had been championing for quite some time about a certain player that I was a big fan of, that I haven't always been a fan of in the past. And I will get to that. I also wanted to talk about, as I watched the the finals of the French Open, how impressed I am with a the way tennis is going. That, you know, we are witnessing history that I think in many ways we are overlooking in some ways because of maybe who we like and don't like. So just in terms of um, the greatness that is the trifecta of Rafa, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic, I think you will find a new number one that you will have to respect, at least for what he does on the court, if not off of it. If not off of it. And I know it's going to be difficult to think about. Major League Baseball. As I have in the last episode, I talked about uh, the sticky situation that Major League Baseball finds itself in. And I want to see them get out of it. But I, I really don't know if there's a possibility for them to be able to do it in the right way. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. But first, I'm going to start with the NBA. And I was so impressed and disappointed in one game, one game, I was on both ends of the spectrum. I was disappointed first, I'll do the bad news, right? You always ask, you you want the good news or the bad news? I'm going to start with the bad news. Nikola Jokic put such a poor example of what an MVP should be doing and how they should be playing. That I almost, in a weird way, I thought of Rashi Wallace when, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but, you know, whenever he didn't like a call and the opposing player went to the free throw line and they would miss a free throw, and I still say this to this day, he would he would say out loud, maybe not directly to the refs. I've never seen him physically say this, but I've heard it written about, it's been talked about. If you know basketball, you know what I'm going to say. Ball don't lie. And... I just feel like the NBA and the voters for the MVP got it wrong. They 100% got it wrong. 
You're not an MVP if you get swept in four games. You're not an MVP. And don't tell me, oh, it's because it's a regular season award. He did not, the Denver Nuggets did not have the best regular season record. If he was the most valuable player, then even with Jamal Murray having caught a season-ending injury, he should have lifted them up, at least to the Western Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. Too often, I think we get caught up in the what's in. It was, it's been in to pick a big man. And I remember even when Nikola Jokic won. Oh, they haven't picked a center since I think Moses Malone. Who cares? If you want to say, oh, well, he was the most valuable player. Because what? He averaged almost a triple-double. So does that mean Russell Westbrook should have been the MVP? Because he he actually had a triple-double? No. It shouldn't be that way. Chris Paul showed he is the MVP. The Phoenix Suns would not and did not make the playoffs last year. I think we're acting like because they went undefeated in the regular bubble season, which by the way, they still missed the playoffs. That meant, oh, well, the Phoenix Suns were already good. No, they weren't. Oklahoma City was in the playoffs because of Chris Paul. The Phoenix Suns are in the playoffs because of Chris Paul. And when you watch NBA on TNT after the Suns swept the Nuggets, what were they talking about? Chris Paul is a real MVP. Charles Barkley, yeah, you missed the boat on that one. Chris Paul was the MVP. Nikola Jokic not only was not the MVP, but got ejected in game four. Oh, I was uh, I didn't mean to hit him in the face. When I look at it, I can't really tell if I hit him in the face. I think it should have been just a flagrant one. I was trying to just fire up the team. That's not how you need to fire up the team. If anything, you tell another player to fire up the team that way. Tell Will Barton, JaVel McGee to fire up the team that way. That was a dumb decision. Because you're not an MVP. You are the most valuable player and you made the stupidest decision ever. Because you're not that valuable. That's why you got swept. Now, I recognize that even when I did the podcast off the bench for the Washington Wizards, I was a big fan of Nikola Jokic. Overall, I still am. I think he is the most talented big man in the league. I do not think he was an MVP. It was a mistake. And I know, I feel like I got really fired up there. It was a big mistake. Can I get a vote? I got my podcast here. I'm in the media. Let me get a vote. But yeah, it would have been one vote. So Chris Paul would have had what? Six first place votes and six first place votes instead of five. Something like that. It was just, it just left such a sour taste in my mouth. And I was already mad that he was the MVP in the first place. This is poor decision. I just I just don't like it. And I know I probably need to have somebody on who else can talk me down from here. Ugh. But I am enjoying the playoffs. I hope you are enjoying the playoffs, even if injuries are really putting a damper on it. Two reasons. Milwaukee's not very good. Okay, Bucks fans, simmer down. 
You needed not one, but two injuries to beat Brooklyn. You're getting lucky here that this series is tied 2-2. If Bruce Brown didn't make a dumb decision, two dumb decisions actually in game three, you would have been down 3-0. He, for some reason, thought he was the second coming to James Harden and made the offensive and defensive mistakes down the stretch. I know KD and Kyrie were looking at him like, what are, what are you doing? And then obviously Kyrie gets hurt in game th- four. About to say game three. Game four. So the excitement in Milwaukee is like, I don't even understand what's going on here. You gotta know the only reason why you're winning these games are because of injuries. And on the flip side, if I'm the Nets, I'm worried. You're going to find yourself out of the playoffs. And you've cobbled together this roster that as I was looking at him in game one and two, I was like, man, they can stay healthy. Nope, James Harden, James Harden's hurt. Game four, oh, nope, Kyrie Irving's hurt. And we know Kevin Durant has health issues. You never know. One game to the next. All three of them might be considered street clothes. You may hear Charles Barkley saying that next. Street clothes, the street clothes team. And that would be disappointing. That would be disappointing. In the other Eastern Conference series, the Philadelphia 76ers are up 2-1 on Atlanta. What happened to Atlanta? No, okay, maybe they can get it together. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe tonight they tie it up. I hope so. But they had a lot of momentum going into game three, and they blew it. They just simply blew it. I don't know if they got to, to, you know. You know, that that line of confidence to arrogance can teeter towards arrogance pretty quickly. And I think they got a little too big for their britches. And it showed in game three. I think they thought they, oh, we got this. We got this. And Philly, I got to hand it to them. They won. Utah Clippers. Utah went up 2-0 on the Clippers. This the, the Clippers are making history. I think they like being the underdog or, you know, um, what's the other word I'm looking for? That they, they want to play from behind the eight ball. Second series, first time in NBA history. Could be could be making history rather if they win this series versus Utah, uh, the second time in consecutive series that a team was down 2-0 to come back to win the series. We'll see. Utah looks good. Now, Donovan Mitchell, you know, he's he's gonna have to play at an all-star level, and he is an all-star. But I think. He's going to have to elevate his game. I feel like he almost has to average in that 30 to 35 points per game, maybe even more 35, 40 in order for them to beat the Clippers. And not, not just I'm saying that the, the rest of the team is not good, but I think they go in many ways, even though in the regular season they won without Donovan Mitchell, in the playoffs they're, they're really going to need him to step up. They really are. And I've been staying up late to watch these games. 10 o'clock on TNT. I'll be watching. 
And whoever wins this series, it could be a good thing that Phoenix is probably going to be sitting for a good week. Now, health-wise, it's good for them with Chris Paul and, you know, the other players, Cameron Payne, and he the rest, you know, kind of like let his face heal. So, you know, they, they need a little break. But I always say, I don't know, you get kind of rusty when you're sitting for that long, in my mind. In my mind, you do. But, you know. It's still probably someone will tell you that it's good for you to uh, get that rest. If you're a professional athlete, I'll take the rest. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. As I was talking about the French Open, for the sixth consecutive year, the women's champ at Roland Garros was a first-time slam winner. Barbara Krejcikova, the first Czech woman to win the French Open since Hannah Mandlikova in 1981. Always liked her name as a tennis name. She beat Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. Pavel Yuchenkova. Hope I said that right. To win the title. Those were some long odds. I certainly didn't have Kreiskova winning it. But the crazy thing is she also won the doubles title as well with Katarina Siniakova. She's had quite an amazing French Open as Roland Garros put out a tweet all they do is win 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 no matter what what they won the girls doubles in 2013 women's doubles in 2018 and then they won it again this year 2021 but then also as I mentioned Krejcikova also won the single women's title as well and that was pretty amazing I have to I have to admit she came out of nowhere to win it But I also thought that there were a lot of players, unfortunately, on the women's side. This just, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say it's a good thing that this is the sixth consecutive year that there's been a new first-time slam winner at the French Open. Maybe you could say that. It lacked the fanfare, as I brought up in the last episode. However... However, on the men's side, on the men's side, Novak Djokovic won again. What are we going to do with this guy? And I bring this fact up. He is the number one player in the world. And we have always talked about that there was a trifecta. Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic. But here's the problem. This is what I 
C is the problem here. Novak Djokovic is going to pass Nadal and Federer. And I'm going out on a limb here. I think he may pass them this year. Novak Djokovic has 19 Grand Slam titles. Right behind Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal, who each have 20. And we got to give him his due. I don't think in many ways people like Djokovic as much as they like Rafa and the 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 club fed fans club fed club federer if you didn't know that sits a pass went up two sets to love and Djokovic just turned it on and won his 19th grand slam he was amazing but as i listened to the crowd i could tell that they appreciated the play there's no doubt about that But I think it's tough to watch if you're not a fan of Djokovic. And it's tough to be a fan of Djokovic. Not like you see him doing a lot of ads. You know, you don't see him doing the Rolex ad and then looking all cool like like Federer or winning a zillion French Open titles like Rafa. Novak Djokovic has a chance to complete what only a few players have, and that is a two-time career slam in a calendar year. He's got an opportunity to do that, and that means that he will have put, he already won once in the same year, the Australian, the French, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open, and he has a chance to do it again this year. And this is five years after Djokovic captured his first French Open title. He's been dominant for almost as long as Federer and Nadal. And really, you have to start flipping it. You you know, you talk about how Michael Jordan overshadowed Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, Well, at least in tennis, it is individual sports, so it is different. But you got to recognize that Djokovic is going to overshadow and take away a lot of the shine of Federer and Nadal. And that's a shame because they're playing all at the same time. But Djokovic is just better. And I don't know if we've ever seen this. Can you think of, and I know it's tough in any individual sport, right? We look at Tiger Woods and his dominance. I would say Phil Mickelson was well behind Tiger Woods as far as dominance, in my mind. And they were playing at the same time, and there was no other player around there, right? No other players were competing with Tiger and Phil. But Tigers won 15 major championships. Phil Mickelson's won six. And he won this last one at the age of 50. 
50. So he's done. I mean, you can go to DraftKings for the, at the next major and put some money down on him if you want to, by all means. U.S. Open's coming up. Go right ahead. You know what? I'm going to look it up right now. Phil Mickelson, plus 7,000 to win the U.S. Open. Come on now. It's not happening. Tiger Woods is at 15 majors. And I'm just saying that to say, you look at what Rafael Nadal has done, Roger Federer has done, in the same era as Novak Djokovic. And he's getting it done. He's getting it done. And you got to give him his due. You have to give Novak Djokovic his due. Whether you like him or not, I completely understand. If you're like, not my cup of tea. I mean, he even got into it when he decided to um, have the tournament last year doing the, the peak of COVID. Now, granted, even I said tennis is the one sport that you probably could hold because you can keep your distance. You know, heck, you don't even have to switch sides if you don't want to. And they probably shouldn't have. Hopefully some tournaments didn't. But he's been kind of abrasive. I get that. But no, 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 no. It's going to be Djokovic in the end. It's going to be Djokovic in the end. And maybe you're comfortable with that. Maybe you're not. I mean, I'd even be a tennis fan. But I really want to get it out there. Congratulations to him. You're watching greatness. And I hope to someday be able to watch one, if not all three of them play. The City Open, where I grew up watching in my backyard, and I was a ball boy. I still play with the racket that Andre Agassi gave to my brothers, and my brothers gave it to me because I'm the only one that plays tennis in the family. But I can't see, although I would love to see it, Novak Djokovic, Federer, or Rafa playing in the City Open, although I hope they are, I'm sure they're putting out the ass to see if any of them want to tune up, especially Federer. I mean, he could use as many tune-ups as he can, but they got to get out of Wimbledon first. But the pressure to me is on Rafa and Federer because Novak's coming for you. And if he wins the Wimbledon title, you know, I mean, he may cruise to that Grand Slam title, career Grand Slam title. Lastly, baseball. I am amazed at the Tampa Bay Rays back at the top. I'm amazed. Chicago White Sox at the top of the AL Central, Oakland Athletics in the AL West, NL East are the Mets, Cubs and Milwaukee are tied in the Central, San Francisco in the West with the Dodgers and San Diego breathing down their necks. I still am going back and forth about this uh, sticky substance that pitchers are putting on the ball. 
I would be curious what it would do to the standings. The best pitchers outside of Tampa Bay, really, and Oakland, are on the highest payrolls, right? But if if what happened to pitchers, if they weren't able to put sticky solution on their hands, What would happen next? You know, I am concerned, and as I know you would be, that the ERA of several pitchers may go up. There's no doubt about that. But maybe some teams that are, that have these top pitchers no longer have that advantage anymore. The Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Astros, Phillies, Angels, Red Sox, Padres, Nationals, and Cardinals are the top 10 in payroll. And you'd probably say that outside of Oakland and Tampa Bay, they have the best rotations. Well, what would happen to those rotations? If all of a sudden, Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, David Price could no longer pitch well for Los Angeles. The Yankees with Garrett Cole, Zach I mean, well, not really Zach Britton, but what would they do if Garrett Cole wasn't the same? The Mets have always been known to have this top-notch pitching rotation. Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman. I mean, obviously, they don't have Noah Syndergaard right now. But what if a lot of these players, you know, just weren't the same pitchers anymore? Shohei Otani. What if he wasn't the same? And obviously, if you look at the Nats, oh my gosh, what would we do? If the Nats no longer have Max, Mad Max, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, they no longer have the same stuff. Heck, even Brad Hand, the closer. And I think in the end, I'm not going to put this up there with the steroid use or what the Astros were doing. I can't. 
I just don't think it goes up there with the same level of cheating. I don't. I mean, even for me, you know, you saw that, uh, was it the rosin bag? The, the pitchers used to, you know, put on their hand. That wasn't cheating, right? All pitchers did. You just had the bag at the bottom of the, the back of the mound. You pick it up, you toss it up, get, you know, get the sweat off your hands, get a little more chalky so you can get a good grip. You throw your pitch. What the Astros did with the the trash can banging and with the steroid era, nah, that was on something different. And I'm going to stand on that. And I feel for Major League Baseball, I don't know what realistically Rob Manfred could do. But to try to come up with some rule against the use of foreign substances by pitchers in the middle of a season can't be easy. And Major League Baseball is trying to do something right now. And I think it's going to hurt the game. Okay, so the batters are like, I'm glad you're, you're... you know, this is coming to the forefront. I mean, realistically, we know it's about money, right? This spider tack and goo. This is strictly about the pit, the the batters feeling like the pitchers are taking money away from them. Because if they can't hit the ball, then they're feeling like, hey, my salary is going to dip. If you're a free agent coming into this year and you could have had 30, 40, 50, Maybe 60 home runs, which probably not 60. That's where it's come down to. And now these pitchers are maybe going to get suspended. You know, who knows? Maybe you'll get suspended for like 10 games if you're a pitcher. Maybe you miss a start. Two, well, really more like two starts. But maybe if the way you work your rotation, you miss one start. But I do find it interesting that the batters are pushing for this in the middle of the season. And I think it's going to slow up the game considerably. You're going to have umpires going out there with every pitcher. You know, it could realistically be a, a easy way to stop momentum. If you're a manager, oh, I think he's got substance on his ball. Even if you know he doesn't, you'll make the umpire go out there and check. That's going to waste like five minutes. You know, maybe bench is clear. You never know. It's just going to slow up the game. The game's already going slow. But maybe if you're a fan, you're like, I don't mind the game going slower. That means more home runs. So you got a decision to make, just like I do. And I'm making a decision right now to end the show. I'm done. Hope you enjoyed me yammering on, as I often do. That'll do it for Jessica Sport. Hit me up on social media if you want to keep this discussion going. You got to take. You don't like mine or you like mine. Whichever one. I don't mind. That's the end of the show. Ciao for now.